ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser o Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser o Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Dog Bifica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumaças. With me, as always, Cristiano Oliveira. Cristiano, como é que estás, meu amigo? Beleza, beleza. Tudo bem. Tudo bem? Como estás tu, David? Welcome back. É. Pleasure to be here with you guys once again, talking about Glorioso. We're going to try to keep things on the on the up and up, but it's going to be a little bit difficult at, at certain parts of this podcast. I'm just, you know, warning everyone right now. Just hey, Things um, could get a little dicey. Yeah, look, look. Um, there was we we pre-pod, right? That's the best part. I think we if we record <laughs> that. That's the type of stuff that needs to go on Patreon. Patreon. That's like twenty dollars a subscription. We for that. we pre-pod, and what that means is that we uh, we discuss a lot of things um, amongst ourselves before the mics go on. Uh, and Cristiano's question to Dave was, uh, Dave, what do you think? Hey, you're gonna throw me out. <laughs> what, what do you think? What 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 skin should I wear tonight? Am I gonna be a wolf in in wolf's clothes, or am I gonna be a a, a, a sheep in wolf's clothes? I don't know. They didn't make any sense. I look to my cousin <laughs> in the Great White North up there, you know, and I, and, and, and I respect his opinion. And so, Dave was kind enough to give me his opinion. So I'll keep. He told me to stay mild, stay go. in between. You know. So you, I did not say that. I said go in, go in on everybody. Go in, good guy, and bad guy. Be a little bit of both. I told yeah. you know, hey, do you, man? Do you, uh, Dave De Oliveira? What's happening, Dave? Not that much. Good to be back on, and yeah, I think we're gonna keep it uh, honest tonight. That's the uh, the nice way of putting it. We'll we'll keep it honest. Yeah, look, uh, if there's something that you can always count on a Bifiga podcast is is honesty, uh, and we we although we tend uh, at least myself as as the moderator and the and the host of this podcast i i kind of tend to keep it even keeled um my uh my uh co-hosts here they have uh freedom of whatever they want to say there's nothing there's no imposition on my part as to what they should say or not say so wait you, you mean we're not being censored and after like six years all. you decide to tell me this now <laughs> <laughs> but here we are tonight for episode number 352 we have two recaps for you uh Bolnitz and Famalicão and we'll look ahead to the big uh classico that happens this Saturday um but Cristiano we're already in February can you believe it the year is flying yeah I mean I'm excited uh what's it called Valentine's Day is around the corner it's my favorite time of year guys <laughs> let me ask you this Uh, we're in February already. What's your stature of limitations in terms of of wishing people a happy New Year? Is is it a week? Is we're it still a, doing that? It was it, no. I'm asking you. What's your limit? At what point do you I'm say a, I'm not wishing people a happy Happy New Year well, anymore? I'm a grumpy sob. I don't do it like the same day. So I mean, to me, it's very <laughs> short. You know? But in case I do step out of character and you know, and I try to play nice, a week. And that's like stretching it because I'm usually grumpy. Like uh, you ask me how my, you know, how my new year went. I'm like, good, good, good. And I just walk away. I don't turn around. I don't say nothing. So Dave, normally, at, at what point do you wish that you stop wishing? He's people Canadian. A happy he's new nice. Year? He's oh, nice. Yeah, he's still doing. No, no. I think it's got to be the first day back at work. And then after that, 
forget about it. Dave's the type that gives his, his, his girl a bouquet of flowers and happy Valentine's Day, baby. And by the way, happy New Year. <laughs> they're nice. They're nice up there. Oh, by the way, happy New Year. Hey, how does it go, Dave? Hey, hey. sorry, sorry. Eh? <laughs> uh, anyway, no, it's just it's just funny because there's there's a fine line between. But where's this coming what's from? Because for I'm you to asking. get this out of nowhere, just, something had to irritate you. No, 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 oh, Dave, Dave. It's not irritating. I just something to know happened. What, what your statue of limitations yeah, is in terms of wishing somebody February, happy. February and you went to fish that out of a no, uh, of, a, of saying, a bucket somewhere. February is definitely. Who sent you an late. email? Who sent you an email and said? <laughs> By the way, Happy New Year. Which which me figure podcast listener? You can say it. Nobody did. Was it Peggy? Because Pe Peggy's ahead. Peggy's so far ahead of in Australia that he's, he's probably already 2021. Exactly. He's like Benfica, 10 years ahead. Was it Peggy? No. Somebody had No, it's just something that I was thinking because there there is uh, at a certain point, it's like, all right, well, it's it's already the second week in January. Maybe you shouldn't be wishing Happy New Year anymore to people. See, must, see this and is there's the people part, that have limitations. Dave, right? This is the part that he's missing, right? For you to say that it's the second week of February and people are still wi wishing someone a happy new year, that means that it had to happen and you recently you had to witness it. Like tell us about that. Because you didn't just how do you it's, know it's how a, do you know that there's people still doing it if you're if if you haven't heard it lately? I think it's a common problem you're, you're assuming where you as a person you might struggle. Is this already too late, too too much into the year to be wishing a happy new year? Should you be wishing a happy new year three weeks into the year? To no, somebody week, that you haven't a seen week, a week. since last year. A week is, yeah. A, a week just, I just Dave, wanted week, to establish right? that. A, a week, yeah. I think I that, well, I came across that problem when I had a two come over and I uh, hadn't seen him. So I said, just to be nice, Happy New Year. But even then, I think it was pushing almost to two weeks. So, so if you go, I think a week. If you go like three, four, five years without seeing a primo or a tia, <laughs> do you wish them like, hey, Happy New Year, happy times 33rd, five. Happy 33rd, happy 34th, happy 35th. Like, what, how does it, like, come on, man. It just if you haven't if you haven't <clears throat> spoken to a TU in, in over a year, then that obviously that's not your TU anymore. <laughs> no, I, I there's TUs of mine. I, I go longer, but when I need money, I go to them. There that's TUs. That's TUs. That's what TUs are for. At least you don't lie. <laughs> um, so here we are. Let's let's get let's rein this in. I just figured I'd, I'd throw that out. I wanted to know what your statue of limitations is in terms of that. That's I that's all that's for my own curiosity. Yeah, it's just it just it's just curious that you brought that up out of nowhere. So I, yeah. I think someone irritated, maybe Peggy or no, 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 Steve. not at all, not at all. Steve, miss you, bro. Love you. So, uh, in anticipate Steve, uh, I don't think Steve listens to the podcast anymore. Hey. He told me that he can't remember last Mifika game that he has watched. I'm that boring that he tunes off his own old team. He got better things to listen to. I don't know. That's like, uh, you know. No, nah, I'm not going to. I was going to say All a right. joke, but I'll leave it alone. Forget it. Let's let's move on. In anticipation to uh, the first leg of the semifinal for the Portuguese Cup, Benfica played on Friday against uh, Bolinsir Sad or Sad de Bay or whatever, whatever they're called. The team uh, from where they sell the, 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 okay. who's, not. Uh, I'll give you a lineup. We'll take it from there. Vlaco Dimos, uh, Almeida, Dias, Ferro, and Grimaldo, uh, Weigel, uh, Tarapt, Pizzi, Servi, Rafa, behind Vinicius. Uh, I guess you could you could argue that this is probably our strongest lineup because at this point, uh, having Tarapt in there or, or Gabriel in there, it's, there's not much of a drop off in terms of. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Here we go. Let's start the honesty. The way the way our midfield is stacked, uh, and I understand that 
and I think that everyone does have a, a, a soft spot. Not not everyone, I should say, but the majority of people have a soft spot for Tarapt in, in his story. But not only his story, but what the guy represents currently, right? Um, the amount of talent, what is able to do with the ball. Uh, I think that aside from and Cristiano and I were having this conversation. Aside from Rafa, in terms of taking people on. And being vertical on dribble, I think he does it better than Rafa, though. Let's just what? yeah, because I think there's more jinga to his game. No, Rafa's speed; he goes around guys. This guy goes through people. Um, and uh, yeah, he's when he's not, he's spectacular. But go ahead. I I, I, I don't, don't want to get too far away from from the topic, yeah, the but, game, but yeah, but uh, you know, this is a strong lineup. Um, thirty first and thirty eighth goals by Benfica. Uh, Benfica seemed to be on the on on the right path at least uh, not that it was a a very good start uh from Benfica they had to deal with the high press from from Bolnens uh reduced passing lanes and and this is the way team uh, played Benfica is um f- so if you guys are watching and I don't know if you if you've ever paid attention to this whenever you're watching um a game by Benfica look how much distance there is between uh the forward from the opposing team and the last defender. Uh, so what teams like to do against Benfica is they like to compress Pack that space. Uh, so there's less, uh, less, less passing lanes for Benfica to explore. There's less, uh, there's less uh, fields to to pro- progress. So and this is what Bolinas did. And and also when they were defending in their own half, that's what they did. And when they had a chance, they moved up the field and they pressed Benfica high. To avoid Benfica to uh, to get into the offensive transition, so Lynch had a had a very good plan uh, for Benfica. And Benfica struggled, uh, and and they weren't at best. Only when Benfica put speed on the game were they able to do something. But thankfully, we were able to get those two goals because I think that if this game goes late, we're struggling. It took a beautiful performance, uh, or should I say, a one man play. Delta opt to go ahead and carry the ball upfield and break those those lines as you just mentioned and you know feed the ball off to the left to Servi who crosses it uh Vinicius headers it off the crossbar gets his own rebound and is able to you know I, I thought he was very lucky to get that ball through every single defender in the box but nonetheless credit to him for not giving up and, and getting the shot on goal but as you were talking about the press I think Benfica has struggled um throughout this whole season but anytime Benfica gets a team um that that does what Bolins did, like you mentioned. They press, they press high. They they constantly just press every time Benfica has the ball. I think Benfica struggled to get those passing lanes to find the open man. I think that's why you saw a game like this. And I understand that there was a game coming up on Tuesday, but you saw the combination of a uh, Tarapt and uh, Gabriel because those two guys, one thing they could do is move the ball around. So I thought that Bruno Lage looked at the press by by by, by Bolins. Kind of saw their game plan coming in and try to implement those two guys in the midfield to alleviate some of that pressure. And uh, look, uh, for a lot large chunks of the game in the first half, it didn't happen. But like I said, took a tremendous display from Adel Tarap to get the ball. Uh, he almost was uh, tripped up by his own teammate, PZ. He was <laughs> the only guy that almost stopped him on that play. But, you know, it takes those individual performances. That's why guys like Tarap and Gabriel do play. Gabriel's been, and we'll talk about him in a minute. You know, hasn't been playing particularly well, uh, well of lately. 
Uh, but Tarapt is a special, special player, and that's why this guy needs to be on the field because not only could he pick you apart with his passing, he could pick you apart with his dribbling. The guy is the only one, and I know you mentioned Rafa before, but he's Rafa doesn't even do this. He's the only guy that constantly gets the ball behind midfield and carries it up the field. You don't see anyone else on midfield doing yeah. that. He carries. I'm gonna mm. guys. When I say carry, I don't mean he takes you know two, three steps and five yards. No, no, no. This guy will constantly carry the ball 20, 25 yards up the field and look for the open man. And that, that's the thing that's so amazing is that he's at his top speed and he's still able to find the, uh, the, the open guy. Well, a lot of guys need to slow it down and bring it back to see who's open. The guy, his computer right now is working. His computer so advanced right now. And, and, and yeah. I'm just happy to see him because he's on a Pentium, as you know, yeah, Pentium, whatever, as you know, you said a couple minutes ago that, you know, now everyone seems to have a soft spot for him. I'm glad. I mean, look, it took a lot of people five years to get on this wagon when I've been on it since day one. So I feel cheesy coming on here and praising and bragging about that because I feel like you guys are gonna be like, no shit. You know, you've been, you know, you've been, you know, riding him this whole time. But this, listen, I, I, I see the special player that he is. And I know he's 31. He's probably not going to go out and do great things. But as long as he plays well at Benfica, um, I think we should always praise him. And as as long as he performs to the level that he's been performing, I think he needs to play. Now, look, get, we talked about it last week when the question was between the three of them, who's going to play? Wego, uh, Gabriel, and Tarapt. And I, I just I felt slighted that Tarapt is not getting the respect he deserves because I think from day one until now, with maybe Blanco Demos, right? Blanco Demos has been spectacular this year with the exception of him still not being able to catch the ball, that shit aggravates me. But those two, I think, have been Benfica's most consistent players from day one until now. Rafa's been spectacular, but remember, Rafa missed three months of the season, so for that alone, he, fit, he falls to third. Darapt has been Benfica's most consistent performer all year long, and he doesn't get the recognition that he does because some people are still butthurt because of whatever situation that happened in the past, but it is what it is. The past is in the past. We need to look at what the players are doing on the field right now. Everyone wants to sit there and praise and chant, and I have no problem with giving a player standing ovation. problem is when you start chanting his name like they do for Servi because he gives it his all. Darapt does that every single day, and it, just take, it seems as if it takes people a lot longer to get on that wagon and appreciate the stuff that the Rapp does on the field. And finally, now he's getting the recognition, got his first goal of the season. Well, in five years, I should say, uh, well, quarter one in preseason, but that doesn't count. But, you know, it's good to see him getting on the scoring sheet, Alfredo. I think he took out all his, I mean, if, 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 if Moreira gets his, his Moreira, right? Andre Moreira, yeah. whatever his name is. If, if he gets his hand on that, my man's going to shatter his arm. I mean, yeah. he put out his, all his frustration behind that shot. Yeah, if he puts his hand on it, then we're talking about Andre Manita. <laughs> hey, no disrespect to all the Manitas out there. Dave, you know what uh, important... I'll give you this one, Dave. This is a... Do you know what they call a guy, a Portuguese guy without the mouse? What do they call him? Manita. Do you know what they call... A Portuguese guy without legs. Puneta? <laughs> what do they call him? Perneta. Close. Do you know what they call a guy without punhos? No. Puneta. Puneta. That's, a, that's an, old, an oldie but uh, goodie. That's the, you got that one in the streets, the mean bad streets of all shit. That's right. Um, so so anyway, um, just running it back in, and, and Cristiano brought up a, a great point in terms of 
Tara being perhaps the not perhaps, but the, the one guy that you could look at it is a guy that brings the ball up the field. But when you're playing against a team that's compressed, that's not giving you much room, that is the play that's crucial. That's going to do it. That's how you're going to break it's the easy. trap. The so-called yeah, it, trap. It's either that or the long switches that Gabriel does from one side to the other to explore the weak side, right? Absolutely. Those are the only ways. So those two guys are similar in what they bring to the team in that aspect, and meaning uh, Tarab has the, the dribble, the vertical dribble that could beat a guy, and all of a sudden uh, there's there's an imbalance of, of players defending, right? Because somebody now has to come out of marking – or of a, of a zonal coverage uh, to attack the ball. And then there's Gabriel, who switches the flank accurately, even though he hasn't been doing that uh, too, too well as of late. But those are the two guys that offer the same one in that in, in that aspect. But anyway, um, goes into, Befica goes into the half, tries to come out, tries to manage the game. Uh, Bolnitz, uh, they wanted to play. They just wanted to play. I mean, we're down to nothing. They wanted to play. Uh, they ended up getting that fortuitous, uh, that fortuitous goal. Um, that was the own goal by uh, by Ferru. Uh, then they get the they get the the penalty. Uh, actually, I, I, that was after the Chiquinho goal. Um, let me. <clears throat> they get but the, the penalty. penalty was after. Chiquinho comes into the field, and I'm sitting there questioning: Is, is Chiquinho playing, guys? Anybody seen Chiquinho yeah. in the last month and a half? And then he gets again a nice. Play by the man. Adel Tarap has his back to, to, to the defenders, able to turn around, pass it to a oh man. I don't know what up. Uh, Servi, maybe. Who the hell did he pass? He passed it right behind, right at midfield. He passed it to someone off who, who then gave it to Vinicius, and Vinicius passed it to Chiquinho. Yeah. And then I forget, but again, it was another brilliant play by, by Adel Tarap. Not a lot of players could do that in the Portuguese league, and he was able to get around his defender and set up and look for the open man and set up the play. And Benfica went ahead and it jumped ahead 3 1. And then things get tricky. But even before that, things got tricky. Benfica is playing at home and they're under fire. It looked like a bad night in Afghanistan in 2003, where it was just like, yo, forgets everywhere. You know, <laughs> run and hot. And thank goodness Vlaco Dimas was on his A game. And he was able to keep a lot of the balls from going inside. And it just, it to me, it's I, I, it's incomprehensible how Benfica struggles to play at home against these minnows, right? And they struggle so hard defending. There is something there that's broken for me. Defensively, Benfica has no concept and how to defend. And I, I have a theory behind it. I think that Grimaldo and Andre Almeida are so terrible defensively that you, as you mentioned before, when you talk about breaking the trap and having the players like Adel Trap carry the ball and having guys step out of their position in order to, 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 to challenge the ball, it's the same thing here. Ferro has to make up for a lot of the space that Grimaldo leaves behind them. Now, it, now it's 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 uh, uh, Ruben Diaz one v three, and then Andre Almeida is sleeping. Andre Almeida is not not as bad as Grimaldo defensively, but he's still not very good at it. So I think it's real easy to sit here and point the figure at Ferro. Who, by the way, has not played anywhere near what he's played last season. Okay, I'll, I'll be fair with that as well. But it's easy to sit and point the finger at those two guys, Ruben Diaz and Ferro. You know, because those are the guys that you see in the middle of the field with the gaping hole, but you forget the guys on the flank that leave that so much space in behind them. And it's difficult for these guys to defend. Yep. And then you have two midfielders and their two central midfielders and a Tarapt and a Gabriel. And Tarapt, look, and again, I'm not. I'm not patting the guy on his back because it's my boy, you know, and then he's just my favorite player on the team. But he tries his best. Gabriel 
seems like he's been on holiday. I don't know what it is. He doesn't seem to put in a ship defensively. So now you have your two outside backs who are garbage defensively. You got your two defensive center midfielders who who have an eye up the field trying to get the ball and trying to turn rather than you know worry about the defensive responsibilities. And now the game gets so complicated for those two guys in the middle. So rather than sit here and shit all over Ruben Diaz and Ferro, let, let, let's let's you know feel for these guys a little yeah. bit because they're they're on the island by themselves. Ruben Diaz has had a, an easier time, obviously, because Andre Almeida doesn't get up the field as high as as Grimaldo. I mean, Grimaldo, he has times that he's higher than than Servi. But that's the thing. See, that that's the question I was going to ask. Servi's in there because of that. He helps out defensively, yeah. yet. And yet, that left flank is still, oh, my God. That is like, you know, the Daytona 500 Speedway or whatever. Yeah. They're not Speedway. And, and you see, when Benfica struggling against Bluness, when Benfica, and we'll get to the Formula League game, everything is down our left side. Yeah. Everything. And teams have noticed that. And, and again, Sergio Conceição came into the style. I can't stand that guy. Came into the style to lose in August. Put on a master clinic on Benfica with the pressure. Taught, taught, gave the, the game plan for everyone, around, uh, for everyone else in the league. Attack down that left flank. Grimaldo wasn't as big of a liability as last season as he's been this year because and I think I look back at that game and I think that Conceição exposed them and I think the rest of the league saw that. You you know what I'm saying, Dave? Everybody saw the game plan is attack them, attack down that side. You still attack uh, Tavares and, 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 and Almeida, but I think the weak link, the, uh, weak link defensively by far is Grimaldo. Yeah, Dave, uh, 3-1 in the 78th minute, 87th minute, we give up the penalty kick that uh, makes it 3-2. Uh, and that from the 87th minute to the very end wait, of the you game. Can't, you can't just go over that. You you got to mention what in the hell were Andrea Almeida and Rafa do. Rafa, I think, has been hanging out with Ruben Diaz too much because that was, that was, <laughs> you talk about blunders by Ruben Diaz. Sometimes we're like, what? I mean, the guy yeah. is tremendous defensively. Then another play is like, what? in and Rafa reminded me that what the hell was he doing grabbing him? I mean, that was yeah, that was juvenile defending. Well, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. But Dave, what, what did you think of uh, of this whole thing? And 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 should Benfica, as Cristiano mentioned, be struggling at home against these teams trying to close out games? Well, the Benfica that I saw in that second half of that uh, game looked like a, a team that was just ready to put it in cruise control. Uh, save some energy for their match against uh, Tuesday against Famalicão, and then uh, they were thinking about. The, it looked like they were thinking about uh, conserving energy uh, because they were not um, pushing the pushing the game forward, and, and were wanting to sit back and let uh, the other team control and uh, create the chances. Um, you think with the three one, the Shikingu's goal to make it three one. That okay, that gives us some extra cushion and. Uh, we can see this one out, but then, uh, like you say, Rafa makes uh, that horrible blunder uh, in the box that gives up the penalty. And the uh, the last five minutes from that penalty, uh, everybody I think was on nerves. Vlako Dimos, I don't know what he was doing, coming out of his net, punching balls, uh, running around. Like I, I think everybody just needed to uh, take a big breath and compose themselves because. If that game was uh, another 10 minutes, I think we would have given up the uh, equalizer and it would have been a 3-3 draw. But uh, luckily it happened right at the uh, towards the end of the game and uh, we got away with the victory in that one. Do you guys think that the team senses that they're not playing well defensively and therefore, as you just mentioned, Dave, they needed to settle down for a minute and it, it looked like they under pressure, they were struggling. You think it's because they sense that the, that defensively that they, they haven't been at their best lately? 
they, they I don't know what it is, but uh, I think Vlakodimos when he sees those those blunders uh, ahead of him with the the back line there, he he gets uh, he goes off like a firework and he tends to lose his mind uh, a little bit too, especially in that that game. So I'm sure he's not happy seeing uh, the back line there make uh, or create those uh, leave those opportunities for the uh, opposition, but. Yeah, I don't know if he if he it's if it's trust or or what, but uh, we're not playing great defensively at the moment. Vlakodimos has been really good this year, as I stated as I stated before. Him and Tarap to me have been Benfica's top two performers from day one until now. But the one thing that I can I think he's improved tremendously, right? I just want to say I think he's been really good this year. He's been the difference between a lot of points that Benfica have won, right? He's he's made the absolute difference. That being said. I still think that a lot of these crosses that he can get his hands on, and he clearly does get his hands, both his hands on, and he's, you know, was was, was the parrying them away rather than cat. Like, again, if you could get your fingertips on, I understand you're not catching them, but when you're getting both hands on it, on a cross, and you're giving, you're knocking that out for a corner kick, you're knocking that out to the top of the box. Once again, you're giving the opposition an opportunity to recover the ball and give him another scoring opportunity in your own third. I think he needs to, there's definitely an aspect of his game that he needs to improve is that he needs to learn how to start catching crosses and, and even some shots. Cause I think he gives the ball one away thing too at a time, easily. man. Oh, he did. He improved <laughs> the, 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 the coming out. So that's one thing. Now we're, we're ready to move on to, to, to level yeah. two now. You know what I mean? Like a hundred percent Dave, uh, numbers on this game. Yeah. So, uh, we had, so like we said, we win three, two Vinicius gets his, uh, 20th goal across all competitions, 12 uh, league goals. So he's now the tie, uh, tied with PT at the top of the uh, league scoring race with 12 goals each. So both goal, uh, both players have combined to score 51% of Benfica's uh, league goals uh, this season, 24 out of 47. Uh, like uh, Cristiano mentioned, Tarapt with his first goal and his uh, Benfica career over a five-year career with a lot of loan spells and Benfica B spells and not even being a part of the team spells. So good to see he's uh, finally got his uh, first one with his Benfica career. And uh, Shikingu also with his first uh, goal since the uh, August Supertasa match against uh, Sporting. Wow, it's been that long? Yeah. For t- wow. Well, he was injured. I know he was injured for two months, but still he's been back for over two months. Yeah. He came back, what, he's November? Not- uh, end of November, yeah, probably yeah. the same time that uh, Rafa, uh, Rafa went out and then Shakingo came back. Yeah, he's not necessarily a guy that's going to pull a lot of balls away. He's uh, more of a setup guy. He's but playing I, I in that position it. and he's got Second a score forward. more than one goal since August, bro. A hundred percent, I agree with you. Svetovic is not necessarily that. No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, three points is, is what really what matter. But for me, the I only liked the last 15 minutes of the first half uh, by Benfica. The rest, I I thought I I just thought that they were poor. They were poor. Um, fast forward to Tuesday, which was yesterday. Benfica played the the first leg uh, of the Portuguese Cup semifinal against uh, the Cinderella team. Uh, and the story of of the season for sure uh this this family count team uh who has uh, been promoted this this year and and it has really been the sensation of the season um i'll give you the lineup and we'll we'll take it from there but uh you know <laughs> when Cristiano mentioned i don't know whether to be negative or not we um you know we could look at this game and and, and you could make your own conclusions vlaco dimos almeida dias 
Jardel, uh, got a start. Uh, Grimaldo, Tarapt, Gabriel, Pizzi, Servi, Chiquinho, and Seferovic. So Jardel getting minutes. He hadn't gotten minutes in, in quite some time. Seferovic also uh, getting some minutes. At one point, we thought that either Zlobin, and there was even people saying that Svilar might get a start in this game. But I'm kind of I'm glad that Bruno Lage uh, stuck with um, with Vlakodimis because it had it not been for Vlakodimis, then we're 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 singing a different tune tonight as we uh, break down uh, this game. But I just thought that overall that Benfica didn't didn't play well. Uh, boring first half uh, by Benfica, a Famalicão team that has showed why they hold such a high place uh, on the table. Uh, organized team with some young players. Uh, and I read something, that somebody that said the best Benfica player on the field was uh, Diogo Gonçalves. And look, and I, I, want, I was just thinking about this, and I want to start this off because I know guys like Ricardo, a fact checker and stuff like that, these guys are going to get on. The game against Bluness, it wasn't Gabriel and uh, Tarap. It was Wego and Tarap. Okay? The yeah. last game against against Fomalicão was was Tarap and, and Gabriel. But it's too many games, too many. I think we start. We need to start doing a podcast after every game because it, it's no, too I, long. I since it was you good. did, but I didn't pay attention. Oh, okay. I'm, in my mind, because the last game, so I just wanted to correct that. The last game against Bluness, it was Wego. It was not Tarap. I mean, it was not uh, Gabriel. Now, go ahead. You were saying about this game? No, I... I that the best Benfica player on the field was Diogo Gonzalez. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people aren't going to like what I'm about to say, but watching that game and watching Diogo Gonzalez play, I said, what, why in the hell will we ever keep serving and get rid of this guy? I know. Yes. Here we go. I know. I know this party lover is going to come out and attack me. But at least going forward, he offers you a lot more. Yeah. And defensively, as good as the job as the other guys doing, we're still struggling defense. So I take his office. But now for a second there, it was Pedro Gonzalez, right? And Diogo Gonzalez. Yeah. And every time... The announcer will say Pedro Gonzalez. I'm like, no, nah, man, that's Diogo. I, I, and then, and then it took me a couple minutes to realize that there was another Gonzalez. Yeah, like that's all dumb. Second idea. half, uh, if he could did come out of the locker room to to play, and they were they would get on a scoreboard early in the 53rd minute, uh, a PK uh, that PT would uh, would score. Uh, but uh, you know, family Cone didn't wait too long. Uh, they uh, they tied the the game one uh, one not too long after that. Uh, and then in the 73rd minute, they had gone up 2-1. Uh, before that, Rafa came in for Sergio Vinicius, came in for Chiquinho. So kind of a little bit of an adjustment by Laja, understanding that 1-1 is not a score that uh, entered Benfica. But still, um, he mentioned in the press conference that Benfica uh, didn't know how to manage the game. And, and a cup game is always different than a league game. And the fact that Benfica came... Um, to the to, to the final third and kept attacking and attacking and exposing themselves and the two goals that Fomalicão scores are are two goals in which the team is out of uh, balance in terms of defensive balance. Um, they gave up and then Mifika has to chase the results. So Rafa two two in the seventy eighth minute and then that header from Gabriel, which at at that point I don't know if anybody was expecting even to Gabriel to get that winning goal and already four minutes past the, the, the 90th minute, and it was five minutes that were allowed. Uh, but really, um, I think, uh, look, you could, you could look at, at Pefica and said they didn't play well, but we can't take away merit from Fomalico, for sure. Um, as I mentioned, organized team, uh, young players, 
uh, know what they want to do with the ball, um, play out of the back, uh, like to hold the ball, like to play. There, there's there's a nice flow to their game. Uh, and as I mentioned, there's a reason why they are holding such a, a high place on the on the table. Uh, but certainly, Benfica playing at home, and and I don't know that uh, if they wanted to put the game away early so they could have the rest and and they can then start thinking about uh, about the classico. I don't know what it was. It just this team seemed out of sorts uh, again, uh, two games in a row. And they three. <laughs> Plus, Freda was not special neither. And I guess you could go back to uh, to, to Avs also. Look, uh, credit to, to, to Fomalicão. And I got into this huge conversation with our good friend Hugo about Fomalicão. And he thinks our Fomalicão is this great, you know, uh, this great football club. And look, at the end of the day, they came in. They played good quality soccer. You can't even call this lucky or that Benfica gave the game away. I think that they came in and they grabbed their opportunities and they played good quality football. I mean, for a second there, you weren't sure if you were playing, you know, a Portuguese men or a European club because, uh, you know, by the way that they were moving the ball around the pitch, which was was really good to see. That being said, as a Benfica, to, to, as I said before, man, it's unacceptable that a team like Famalicão, and I understand it's a cup game, things are totally different, but this is a team that's trying to get to, to the Taça Portugal final, is a team that is trying to, to solidify things in the back, because as we mentioned before, with all the struggles defensively, and bro, we're a huge hole, I mean, this team right now is not defending anywhere near the level that they should be defending, and these teams, a team like Famalicão comes in to start to lose, and look, Tiki Taka, I mean, this is, they're making everybody look bad. As, you, as we're seeing here, the first goal that they scored between the two goals, uh, the two uh, Gonçalves. They kid. did whatever they wanted from I mean, the Benfica they, defense. Man. And that's unacceptable. This is, Dave gave us this stat earlier. This is the third consecutive game at the Stadio. This is not on the road. This is at the Stadio de Luz where Benfica's allowed two goals. Okay? Consec back to back to back. And we didn't play Braga, Porto, and Sporting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're playing. I think that is really, really concerning. Yeah, but but right considering now. where Famalicão is on the table, and, and certainly if they are where they are on the table, certainly they've done to be there, uh, right? Uh, so even though you say, well, typically this would be a game where we would see difficulties playing against the Guimarães or a Braga or a Porto or a Sporting. Uh, but Fomalicão, who basically... Fomalicão came into this promoted. game, but came into this game having not won a game in the last three matches as well. Okay? And I understand that they've played really well. They're fourth or fifth what, fifth in the, in the league. No one expected them to be in this position. And I get it. They're supposed to beat up on the uh, on the other minnows, on the other monkers. I get it. But again, I think that Benfica, man, they're just... And you guys are going to call me crazy. I don't know what it is, man. Maybe I see things differently. But Benfica just needs to... Tighten things up in the back. They need to be able to close these games when they're up a goal at home. Okay, there is no reason as to why a Fomalico should even tie the game, let alone take the lead at the start of the lose with a game that you know. Look, it, it's I, I know it's two legs, and as I mentioned last week's podcast, it, it it minimizes the value of the game and minimizes the risk. But at the end of the day. It's still a game that Benfica has to take a commanding lead. As you said before, they've played really well this season. They have to take a lead into Famalicão next week because they have to get into the Stas of the Portugal final. Yeah. Look. So the importance of this game should have been urgent. And yet, it's as if we allow teams to come into Stade de Luz 
and implement their football. We're the ones defending. We're the ones on the counter. Yeah. And, and again, guys, I understand if this is a big European giant. We're talking about Bolognese. We're talking about Famalica. I don't care how good they've done this season. We're still talking about two clubs that have no business being on the field, Benfica. And I understand them, you know, coming on a counter and catching Benfica napping on a counter. No, no. This is outplaying Benfica. This is totally different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Benfica I is under attack from all sides. And you can't allow that. If this team really wants to, you know, and, and again, it's hard. They're seven points ahead. They're going into the Dragon next week. But I tell you, if they go into the Dragon playing the same way they've been playing over the last couple of weeks, it's going to be a very, very <laughs> Not long that night. Porto's playing any better, but still. But they can't. Quality is totally can't, different. Yeah, they, can't, uh, they can't really give that up. Uh, Dave, numbers on this uh, on this game. Yeah, so uh, a big uh, stat there that this was Vlacodimo's first ever uh, start for the uh, Portuguese Cup uh, with his uh, year and a half uh, with the club. He had yet to make a uh, Tasa uh, start with uh, Zlobin and Svilar starting their previous nine Tasa games so that he made his uh, first start. And uh, boy, was he ever called upon to, uh, to make some uh, key saves uh, like we've mentioned. Uh, and also, as Chris uh, mentioned, uh, Benfica has now conceded two or more goals in three consecutive matches at the Estadio de Luz. First time since 1965, and it's three consecutive games now with the 3-2 scoreline. So defensive uh, uh, blunders is uh, is, is, has been yeah. costing us here. And, and look, I think the when we talk about defense, uh, it's just not the back four. Uh, the 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 defensive effort has to happen all over the field. And I, I don't know who else noticed this, but there was times that Gabriel was walking while, while he was recovering. I, I don't know. And that was just a, a, an apathy from, from Benfica's players at, at times on the field. And I don't, I don't know, man. I, and I think that, you know, what, when you, when you're a, when you're a guy that praises a player like, like Chervi, and, and I don't have anything against against him, obviously. But to understand that Benfica, that Benficistas and fans and, and people at the stadium value uh, you putting in an effort to sweat till the last drop, um, to see guys just going through the motions on the field, it's just, I don't know, it, it just doesn't sit well with me. doesn't sit well with me. Um, but, uh, you know, Jardel looks like he's going to be out to with an knee injury for I I I've read mixed things but a source tells me six weeks a source tells me six weeks so uh, I'm I'm sure that uh, that Muratu is going to be uh, working out if he hasn't already been working out. I think, with so, the, I think with Samaris will get the call. Samaris will be the guy making that because from what we saw Muratu in the Tasa game, Tasa the Liga game, he he's was still already, very green, very raw. So very, I, th very I think I think it's more likely that you will see. Samaris be the third uh, center back when needed. Um, yeah. Then you will see Morato or Kaleka or whomever else yeah. is. Uh... The second leg comes up this Tuesday, so a week from from yesterday as we record this uh, after the the Classico. Uh, so we'll, it, it's not going to be easy for Benfica. I can tell you that much. Going to family count playing on their field, it's not going to be easy. And the, and the coach already said he's not going to make it easy for. We Benfica. always talk about geography on the podcast. Did you know? That I just learned that Famalicão was in Minho this week. Vila Nova, Famalicão. I thought Famalicão, honestly, I thought it was somewhere between Leiria and Coimbra for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe. 
I don't know. Maybe it's another family go. But I could have sworn it was there. And then when they're talking about, you keep a minota. I'm like, what minota? What are we talking about? And then I went did to you go look at the map. Yeah, I finally did. And I, well, once they said he keep a minota, I kind of gave it away. Yeah, I didn't have to. <laughs> did I didn't you go fact check the I guy. I didn't really have to go look at the map. But yeah, I, I, I could have sworn it. I thought it was somewhere between Lady and Coimbra, bro. I'm, wow, was I way off? That, that's how many teams does Minho have, bro? Most of the Portuguese teams you know, are, I mean, are, are on, on in the north. I know, but I didn't think it's in me. I mean, bro, you got so many teams in me. Riwaf, not Riwaf. Yeah, Riwaf. Riwaf Braga is Minho. Braga, Guimarães, obviously. Mureirense. Uh, Famalicão. Yep. Um, sure, we're, we're probably missing. Avs? Avs? I don't know. Avs from Avs. <laughs> 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 there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That, that geography lesson that never fails. So anyway, we uh we now turn our attention to the the big big game of uh of this February or or of this second half, if if you will, considering everything, all the factors that are around it. The big classical. I think we'll travel to uh to Porto uh to play the local team, 8:30 local on Saturday. Dave, numbers on this match. Yeah, historically, uh, we've been on the wrong side of uh, this uh, this matchup here. Uh, 88 wins, 60 draws, 94 losses in the previous uh, 252 games. Last 10 meetings, two wins, three draws, uh, five losses. And since the uh, Estadio de, de Dragao uh, opened in 2003, we've only won there four times out of the 18 games uh, played there. So historically not one of our uh favorite places to uh go play there yeah for sure uh Befica goes into this game with the best uh best attack best defense uh three more wins than Porto uh 2.4 2.47 goal average per game uh that's league tops um obviously uh but here's a a couple things and if you hear our podcast on a regular basis, anytime we, we talk about Porto, yeah. Cristiano always <laughs> Cristiano always has that the line about eat the chicken, open your fridge, bang out your wife, whatever. You guys know what that is. Um, Cristiano, let me ask you. I'll start with you, and I'll ask you this. Um, Benfica has, has yet to lose away from, from home. Obviously, there's a record now pending. Mm -hmm. Uh, only three goals allowed away from Stadio Luz. So Benfica has, has been better away from Stadio Luz, as Dave mentioned before. Um, but does the fact that Benfica goes into this game seven points ahead of Porto, so regardless of what happens, whether they get beat by one nothing, five nothing, six nothing, regardless of what happens, Benfica will always come out of the Dragão in first place with and with at least four-point lead, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that Benfica as a team, and the, and when I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the players' mentality and, and psyche, that going into the Dragon with seven points is something that perhaps is going to help them mentally? That It seems that parece que estão com medo. Yeah, parece but todos went, yeah, but last year they went there, and they, they won the only important game they needed to win after being down 1-0. And then... Uh, João Felix scored to tie it, and then Rafa scored to take the lead. I think Benfica last year kind of, you know, knocked that monkey off their back. And so going into this game, I don't know, Fredo, honest to God, guys, I'm, I'm conflicted. I'm really 50-50. I don't know if I should take this seven-point lead as, you know, okay, the team's got no pressure on them. They're going to go there, and they're going to play their best football, right? They're going to go into the style of the ladrão to get the three points. 
Or if, I don't know, the seven-point lead kind of knocks off some of that pressure and they're going to go in there nonchalantly knowing that, as you just stated, no matter what, we're going to be in first place with minimum of four-point lead. So it's I'm kind of on the fence. I'm kind of on the fence. I like to think that, you know, because this is such a huge rival, and, and, and as Dave mentioned before, Benfica's only won four times in, what, 18 years there, Dave, or something like that? 18, uh, 18 games 18 since tries. 2003. Exactly. So they've only, well, since the stadium was was opened in 2003, um, maybe they have a little chip on their shoulder and, and some of that pride, and they're going to want to prove to them, especially after all the bullsh- bullcrap that's coming out of that um, that club and, and its supporters and, and, and everyone that... That you know that that roots for that club, maybe Benfica does have that competitive streak in them that they want to go in there and uh, win the game outright and kind of silence a lot of the critics because we've seen a lot of the crying already after yesterday's game. The referees, the VARs, they're already installing every possible um, excuse uh, from the Porto side. The as, conditioning as, they're already, they're already, and, and well, that's also the other aspect of them. the conditioning, the, the referees, the pressuring everybody. So, you know, it's going to be one of those games that, as you've mentioned for Benfica, it's not the end of the world if they lose, but for these guys, it is going to be the game of all games. It's as if it's a Champions League final for them because they need to win this game because even with the draw, they're out. That's it. Forget about it. Wrap up the Campeonato for the rest of the year. So they're going to throw everything at Benfica. You know that the if, if whatever, if you believe in all that stuff that goes on, uh, you know, uh, goes off the go, goes on in, in Portuguese football, referees, everyone is going to be on their side. So it's going to be a very intense atmosphere for Benfica. And hopefully Bruno Lodge has his men ready to play, because as we've stated here uh, over the last you know half hour, 45 minutes, this team has not been playing well. Uh, over the last month or so, and hopefully a game with such, um, uh, uh, you know, such a, uh, immense pressure on them, right? Yeah. Because of the the the, the rivalry uh, that 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 goes on with Benfica uh, on a daily basis with Boca do Porto. Hopefully that will have the players on their best. Um, I don't want to say behavior, but have these guys concentrated and have them ready to go and 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 really pay attention to details. Because as I said, it's going to be one of those games that. Any little mixed up is going to be the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, and, and Dave, I'll, I'll ask you this: definitely a, a game where the context is is different from years past, right? Benfica, I don't know if I can remember that Benfica has ever gone into the gone leading the championship by seven points. But this lead, Cristiano mentioned pressure a couple times. Where do you feel the pressure lies in in this game? Uh, I think, if anything, the pressure is all on uh, Porto, but uh, being seven points down, this is their their finals. Like uh, Chris alluded to, they have to make up the start making up that seven point uh, deficit. So anything but three points for them, um, they're facing a very much more difficult task uh, the rest of the season. So I think the pressure lies um, with them. You're going to see them. Uh, come out strong, be uh, physical, like uh, we're used to seeing with this uh, Sergio Conceição um, squad. But this is also two uh, clubs that are coming into this uh, Clásico that are not at uh, at their top of their their game. Porto's uh, struggling coming into this uh, game with uh, three wins, one draw, and two losses from their past six. We've spoken about Benfica's. Uh, inability to uh, defend as of uh, late, so it's it's two clubs that are coming into this uh, this fixture here, not at their top of their game. So 
it's going to be interesting to see which club comes out uh, on top. Um, I, I want, I'm, I'm kind of nervous coming into this game because whenever we go up there, uh, we do tend to struggle. Like I've uh, stated, uh, it's not a place that we've had much success as of uh, late. So uh, I'm going to be um, cautiously optimistic or, or being a pessimist maybe here, but I'm, I'm not feeling too confident going into this match here. Me neither, bro. I'm going to call a 3-1 victory for Benfica. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. At 10 points uh, in your mind, and I know that mathematically th there's still a lot of points at, for grabs, but in your mind, at 10 points, is this done? If it gets to 10 points? I mean, I think if it, if they draw, if they come out of there with a draw and it's that seven, I think it's a wrap. You might as well start in Comendar in the process. Yeah, I think it, even even with a four point lead is going to be very tough. But then the pressure mounts on Benfica. But even with four point lead, Benfica will be okay. They're not going to be oh my god in desperate mode. But they still have Braga. They still have Sporting. Seven seven points. Even with a draw, ten points. Forget it. With a draw, it, it it's already a wrap. Yeah, I mean it's going to take a catastrophic. It's going to take one of those tsunamis to come and mess everything up for Benfica yeah. if they win the game and they leave they're going with 10 point lead and they somehow fumble that even at seven points it's going to be a huge huge um earth shattering uh you know consequent whatever circumstance An event yeah it's going to be something. It would take earth shattering events uh for Bifiga too uh, it, yeah dave what do you think at 10 points is it uh stick a fork in them they're done well somebody on this podcast said stick a fork in them uh, they're done by christmas time but uh yeah, I think 10 points uh, with the uh, competition in the rest of the Portuguese league, I think it would be safe uh, for us to be uh, safe to safe for, for us to be uh, champions at the end of the year and hey. celebrate. Yeah, but I, I still don't want to light the fireworks off. Dave, you want to really you want to throw a jab at me, but what you failed to remember, you got to roll the tape back. I said by Christmas, Benfica will be wrapped up with sporting and i was right they're like point <laughs> is that what you said you said wrapped up with sporting? i think it was sporting i said they'll be champions but I, i'll give you that yeah. i'll but give it to you nobody's gonna go back and listen anyway so we'll <laughs> stick with it <laughs> um yeah man it's uh it's definitely uh interesting to to see what's gonna come out of this game i i think in in, in typical benfica fashion uh instead of giving the fans a nice comfortable feeling and a nice cushion of 10 points i think they're just gonna make it interesting for the fans and you know, oh yeah uh, so <laughs> the script the script is make it interesting <laughs> they're gonna make it interesting for the fans and we're gonna be suffering till the last minute like uh like we always do with Befica. It, it's never it's never easy uh it's never the 20 points that that porto used to win leagues by <laughs> i think I, I think what we'll see here if Benfica goes into the uh, when they win this game, it shows you that Brun Lage is a coach that you could, you know, bank everything on for the future. This guy will have. If Benfica doesn't come away with the three points here, I'm gonna start to question Brun Lage a lot. That's just me. What because about a tie? Would you still question him with depend, the tie? Depends, depends on, on the performance. Dep depends. Depends how they set up. Depends if they're just out there, eleven men behind the ball behind midfield. Then yeah, I might have a problem. If it, they, you know, if they come away with a tie, it is what it is. And they play football. That'll show me a lot. But the way that this team has been playing defensively, there's been a lot of holes. I think that, that whatever they've been doing over the last uh, 24 hours and, and going forward, going until Saturday, they need to be working on the defensive schemes. They need to shore that up because Porto will not 
miss these opportunities that we saw. For example, in the first half, uh, Pedro Gonçalves, when 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 Andrea Almeida was, I don't know, looking for popcorn on the <laughs> field or whatever, and he got in behind him and he shanked that. Porto, Tiquinho, Suarez, Marega, those guys will, I mean, look, they do miss a lot as well, but they will more than not, more than They'll likely. They'll punish you. So I think Benfica needs to shore those things up defensively. But again, Benfica comes away with the victory. I will be a lot more convinced about Bruno Lodge than I am now because there's 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 been a lot of holes in Benfica over the last uh, you know couple of months. Even even you question that game, I started to lose. Benfica got outplayed, got got absolutely dominated. There's a performance by- similar to that. Yeah, if it's a performance similar to that, forget about it. I tell you, start calling Jorge Jesus. <laughs> the next before you leave the room, start calling. But look, uh, let's be positive. I think Benfica is going to come away with the win. I, I I do think that this club kind of, as I said before, uh, knocked the monkey off their back last year with that big victory at the Stadio do Dragão. Obviously, being down seven points themselves, um, they went in there when a lot of people would not think that Benfica would be able to come away with the victory, uh, and they did so. So I, I think there's going to be confidence in knowing what they did last year. Um, and again, the seven point lead will, 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 you know, relax the guys a little bit. Hopefully just not too much. Dave, you want to risk a prediction? Yeah. Prove, prove me wrong, but, uh, I'm going to one, uh, Bordeaux on this one. I'm not feeling that confident. Uh, Cristiano talks about going into their host last year, but they also came back into our host, uh, this earlier this year and put the, uh, two nil scoreline on there. So. I'm uh, more for more recent uh, bias, and I, I'm still not confident. So two one Porto in this match here. You're absolutely correct, Dave. But you know what? The one thing that, and again, it's not an excuse, but Benfica at the time going into that game at the start of the lose against their eternal rival, right? They, they talk about Sporting. Sporting is whatever. Porto to me is, is Benfica's rival. In my lifetime, it's been Porto. It's not Sporting. Going into that game, if you guys just beaten Sporting 5-0, had beaten Pasfreda 5-0, Benfica was on a high. They beat Bullness 2-0. They're thinking like, oh, you know, they probably listened to the Benfica podcast and heard me say that by Christmas it'll be over. So they walked into that game like, you know, where Porto's been struggling. They just lost to Krasuna Spore, whatever the hell it was. Ah, man, we're, you know, big bad. And it was like a slap in the face, shot of reality, right? And I could understand, again, I didn't like it, but I could understand Benfica kind of being caught off guard because of their performances compared to Porto's performances have been absolute trash. And they got caught napping. And after that, they at, went on a tear. At this point, there is no caught napping. Benfica knows what Porto is. Porto knows what Benfica is. Benfica knows, and I'm pretty, I mean, come on, guys. This is, this is you know, two plus two. You know what I mean? It's common sense. Benfica knows with the win this weekend, it's over. It's a wrap. Okay. And I think that the coaching staff will be reminding every player of that situation. At the same time, telling them it's not the end of the world. We commit mistakes. Let's relax because we still got a nice comfortable lead, but we need to win this game. And again, that's when the coaching from Bruno Lodge is going to come in. And I want to see. I, I have no doubt in my mind that the guy can motivate people. I have no doubt in my mind that he's a, a player manager. I have questions tactically from him, X's and O's. Um, and we'll see how this team defends at the Dragão. Now, to me, a huge, 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 huge question going into this game that none of us have touched here so far is what's going to be the tandem in the, tandem in the midfield? Is it going to be Gabriel and Vigo? Trapped in Gabriel? Uh, trapped in Vigo? That's, to me, that's a question that needs to be, you know, that, that, yeah. that's going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, for me, if, if, I'm, if I'm the coach, I'm going with Trapped in Vigo. Just because Tarap has been the hot hand, and you got to go with what's hot. I think that Weigel, in in terms of defensive positioning, uh, I think that he's, he surpasses those two guys. 
But I think in, in terms of creating mismatches, penetration, uh, ripping passes, I think Tarapt is probably the guy you want on there. Now, it all depends how, how Lajes approaches uh, the game and what his game plan is in terms of um, playing the Sporto team because we also don't know, is Benfica going to be playing conservative? Uh, and just waiting for Porto to come to them because Porto is the one that needs to chase the result. They need to get the three points. Or is Benfica going to go all out? So depending on whether Benfica will relinquish the possession of the ball and relinquish all the all the initiative to Porto, I think that that's going to have a lot to do with the game plan. Look, I think what I'm going to say next is going to sound crazy to a lot of people based on what we've seen from Bruno Lage since he's taken over Benfica. But... And again, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's something that I wouldn't mind have, see happening with the current roster of Benfica. I wouldn't mind seeing Benfica play in a 4-3-3, put Rafa in Serbi's place, bring in Gabriel instead of or Tarapt instead of uh, Chiquinho and then play with a 4-3-3, the two wingers on the outside. And again, it, it's going to give you the same hustle. And again, and I'm not a huge fan of Serbi. That's just me wish, that's wishful how, thinking. But I don't know how drilled that system no, is. No, I know, but th that's when Vigo first you know, joined Benfica. That's that's a formation that I thought about, and I don't think I've ever mentioned it on a podcast. I don't think we're going to see it now. You're not going to have these drastic changes in a game, you know, with this magnitude at the, uh, you know, at the Dragon. Yeah. But that being said, it's it's something that I mean I wouldn't mind myself because I'm not a big fan of Shikino. I'm not a big fan of of of, of Servi. And again, I, I think that Opt absolutely needs to be on the field. Uh, but for some reason, lately, when it's come to having Vigo in there in these big games, it's been it's been more. Gabriel and Vigo, then Tarapt and Vigo, or Tarapt, and, you know, it seems like Vigo is going to play, and he should play. I mean, this is a big game player. He's brought in for these types of games. He's going to go on the road. It's going to be to him. It's not. I mean, the guy's played all over, um, you know, the world. He's played in obviously a tremendous league over there in Germany. He's played with the German national team. So this game shouldn't be um, that big. You know, he shouldn't be too nervous going into this games. You know, because of his past experiences. So I think it's going to be him. And then it's the question: Is Gabriel or, or, or Tarapt? And I think if you want to. Uh, appeal to everyone, uh, put them both in and take out Servi and Chiquinho, put Rafa in on the left, put Pizzi on the right uh, with, with Vinicius up top, and then you have those three guys in the midfield running things. So we have we have uh, Grimaldo at the left back, and then we have Rafa on the left. Who's going to def de defend the left-hand uh, side there? guys in the middle, those, uh, Dave. You could kind of play... You could play... You you know, balance, yeah, yeah you, could, you could tell Weigel, Vigo, whatever, to, to, to fall back on the left a little bit, cover more of that space. Kind of help him out a little bit more. He put that up on the right. Problem is, what I would do is I'd put Gabriel on the left, um, Vigo on the right, and then it, like a triangle with 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 that up in front of him. But we've seen uh, that uh, Gabriel has left his running legs uh, somewhere. You, you're season. sticking to your three-one prediction, or you, was that a joke? Oh, man, I'm so tempted to say three-two because it's been a lot of three-twos lately. <laughs> <laughs> and the one thing we know, Benfica is gonna uh, look. I have no doubt that if Benfica plays well they're going to score goals and at the same time I have no doubt that Porto is going to score goals so um, that's why I, even at 3-1 I, I feel it's going to be very hard for Benfica to keep them off the score sheet but uh, just for shits and giggles let's go 3-2 man because that's that's the number that's been hitting lately let's go 3-2 yeah. but then again you look back at that first game of the side to lose Benfica got their first shot in the 76th minute and here I am asking for three goals now I think I'm asking for a little bit too much but hey, you know what? Let's 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 think outside the box. Three two Benfica. Yeah, I'm going with uh, a one one. Uh, like I said, I think that uh, I don't think that Benfica loses the game, but I think they'll make it interesting. And despite still being up seven points, 
I think that it's still not safe to to say that it's a wrap. But uh, Cristiano apparently has more confidence on the team than I am uh, with a seven point lead and and with the dragon behind their back. <clears throat> Is it more confidence, or or does that speak to the rest of the competition in the league? Yeah, that that too. That too. So anyway, um, let's wrap this up uh, before we we do. Uh, Diego Souza should be available for this game. By the way, his, uh, his yeah, green card will have made it to Lisbon. By I then. don't know if he's. Uh, I think he was available yesterday. Was he not or no? I don't think. I think his papers weren't. No, in yet. It, it, from what I heard before the game, his papers were available. Lodge said that he's not. He, he wasn't available. So, oh, so I don't. Then, I don't know what kind of ship he's in. I don't know if he's in game. Rhythm. Last game he played was December first. Oh. Oh, so you brought the guy in forge just so you could drink sagas at the at the Marquez Pombal? No, for the last stretch. Good stretch when we're up 10 points. <laughs> so anyway, we'll we'll see. Uh, before we go, I just want to remind everyone to uh, check out BenficaIndependent.com. Uh, we are part of that, as you know. Um, right now, they have or we have established a, a Patreon for that site. There's uh, there's two levels that you could subscribe to uh, $2 uh, a month. And then the other one is $5, which I believe there's there's quite a few perks uh, mug uh, included. And I've seen the designs of the mugs and they look quite, uh, quite nice. Do I get a mug? I. I don't know. You should get one. Part of the Benfica podcast. Uh, but right? are you a are you a Patreon? No, them? A, pa- no a Patreon. I, look, I don't want to look, guys. If you're listening, go and subscribe. But based on my experience, I paid for a shirt and I never got it. Hopefully, you guys get your connectors. <laughs> no, definitely check that out, man. We are trying to get as much content on there as possible, both on the public side as well as the Patreon side. Uh, we're doing, uh, if you're into the modalidade, there, uh, Serginho does a rescaldo with the modalidade with the, with the, another dude that just follows the modalidade. Uh, there's previews of games. There's, there's, there's rescaldos. There's recaps of games following the games. Uh, so there's a lot of good content that's being, uh, put out there. And, and, uh, if you do have a chance, you know, it's it's two dollars a month. That's that's nothing. You probably spend more on that on getting an espresso at the at the Pastelaria in Toronto. Um, so definitely. So you only tell people from Toronto out. to subscribe? No, and and, oh. and anywhere else in the world. I mean, two dollars is nothing. Uh, most of us are paying two dollars for a coffee. I know when I go to Dunkin' Donuts, more than two dollars for sure. I go to Starbucks. Or Star- you're gonna get more. You're gonna get a better quality uh, with this than you are probably than the Benfica play. I haven't been on Bifika Play in a, in a bit, so I can't comment. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, at 10CO10, at Bifika Podcast, at uh, 87DO87 is where you can find us on Twitter, BifikaPodcast.com, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all that good stuff, man. Um, I hope uh, that everyone has a has a good, a good uh, all their lucky uh, underwears and the lucky charms for the Porto game. <laughs> it's going to be a nice one, man. We will be back next week. We'll be back after... Uh, the Portuguese Cup game against Famalicão, which will be on Tuesday. So we'll be back on Wednesday. And we might have so a we guest, today. Right? We might. That's don't correct. Name, no names. We have a, don't we say, have, don't put no pressure. Yeah, we may have a, a, a guest uh, for next week. So uh, we're we're hoping that uh, comes through. So no no pressure on the person. Uh, yeah, see, Mom, I, take I, it easy. I, I know that uh, they listen to this quite frequently, but, uh, you know, whatever. Thank you very much for checking us out and for humoring us and, and uh, you know, either for, for laughing at our jokes or for thinking that they're At least act stupid. like you just fake it. Yeah. Fake it's it. for our geography lesson. 
yeah. It, yeah, the geography lesson is it's uh, definitely worth it. Uh, interact with us on Twitter. Let us know what your prediction is uh, for the Classico. Uh, and also, if you got a statute of limitations in terms of wishing somebody a happy new year, you can also give that up also. Take care, everyone. Cristiano, always a pleasure. Take Dave, care. Later.